This is Word Talk Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Word Talk Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, The Invisible Hand of God, and it comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Christian Radio is not free. If you enjoy this ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the Word Talk Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. By making a charitable contribution, you're helping reach people listening in our area and over the internet. You can make a donation safely and securely by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information over the phone. Or send us your gift by mailing it to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now today we pick back up in the book of Ruth, and this will be our second lesson out of this series. If you remember last week, if you didn't hear it, I'd tell you, go back and listen to it. You can listen to it on my personal Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com Tim Carter. Again, that's www.facebook.com Tim Carter. Let me start off with a quick review of last week. We won't go through, obviously, a whole lesson, but I'll give you some highlights. We started off that there was a famine in the land. Now, this is in the land of Judea. This is the promised land. And we're introduced to a man named Elimelech. And Elimelech, because there's a famine in the land, he's living in Bethlehem. Now remember, Bethlehem right now is not as strategic as it is as we know today. We know that King David comes out of Bethlehem, but we also know that Jesus comes out of Bethlehem. And so it becomes a historical spot. But right now, Bethlehem's just this little town. And so there's a famine in the land, and he decides to leave now, Bethlehem, I told you last week, meant that it was the house of bread, which is kind of ironic that you were living in a town called the house of bread, yet there's a famine going on. But he hears that down in Moab, the famine's not happening there, so he's willing to leave the promised land and go solve this problem on his own, take his family, and go to Moab. Now, that sounds good, and that's all good, but did he check out with God first? Did he? And we know that he didn't. He didn't go to God and say, hey, God, is this what I'm supposed to do? Yet he just up out of his own mind, out of solving out of man's eyes and man's mind instead of God's mind, he decides to solve the problem and move to Moab. Even though this appears to be right, this appears to be the right thing to do for his family, he loses his life. And not only does he lose his life, but the two sons die also. Now, we don't know how they die, whether it was in battle, whether it was a heart attack, whatever. But they go to a pagan land. They marry pagan women. And now all the men die in this society that is male-driven. You only have three women now with no male and no heir to come in and carry the name forward. This reminds me of Proverbs 16.25 that says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Too many times we try to solve the problem ourselves without going to God first. We are sitting in God's protection with God's people, and we leave it and we try to do it by the ways of the world instead of listening to God. And that's what happened here. What we need to understand, what we need to stop and think about how many times 
do we want something? How many times do we think we need something? And maybe we even pray to God, but because God doesn't move as fast as we want him to move, we do it in our own self. Again, the writer of Proverbs also said in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You know, if you want to stay on God's path, if you want to stay in God's hand of protection, if you want to walk with God on a daily basis, then we have to not lean on our understanding, but we have to acknowledge him and lean under his understanding. We have to take on the mind of Christ. So now Elimelech and his two sons are dead. We are introduced to Naomi, that is the wife. Her name means pleasant, but we see as we read through the book that she becomes bitter. She even says, call me Mara because that means bitter. And she blames God like a lot of us do for what has happened here. Maybe you're like Naomi today. Maybe you've turned on this radio. Maybe you're listening to my voice and you're saying, well, if there's such a good God, then why did he let this happen to me? If God is so good and he loves me so much, then why would he allow this to happen? And that's the very question that Naomi asked. The other thing we pointed out is that Naomi did something that was crucial. Naomi realized that she was no longer with people that loved God and understood, understood God and put their faith in God. She realized she was in a land where they worship pagan gods. And she decides that she's going to go back to the land. She's going to go back to the promised land. She's going to go back to where the people of God are. And so a lot of times we're the same way. When we get into trouble... We don't go back to the people of God. We go to the world. We go to our friends in the world and we try to get them to help us figure this out. But Naomi makes a crucial decision and she decides to go back to the people of God. And some of you have walked away from the church, but you're listening to me today. And today is the day for you to get back plugged into the church. It's time for you to go back to the people of God. Go back to the hand and protection of God. Naomi makes that decision, and she tells her two daughters, Orpha and Ruth, you're from Moab. You can go back to your people. I don't have children. Go back. And Orpha says, okay, and she heads back home. But Ruth says, no, I'm going to go where you go. Your people are my people. I want to know more about this God that you talk about. And so Ruth demandingly gives her allegiance and says, I will die protecting you. And so again, she heads back with Naomi and they go back and they get back to Jerusalem. We wrapped up the chapter with the hope that we started to see. They made the right decision. And as they come back, and I want to read it to you, chapter 1, verse 22, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I told you that this started off with a famine in the land. But when they put their trust back in God, when they came back under the protection of God, was the beginning of a harvest. And so let's pick up right there. I'll be reading out of the ESV, Ruth 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And we're going to stop right there after verse 1. Now I want to read this same verse out of the Message Bible because I like the way it words it. And it starts off, It so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich, connected with Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. It starts out with, It so happened. If you were just to read this like you're reading a book, you would say it's a coincidence. But this phrase, It just so happened, 
This coincidence was no coincidence. It is the way that God moves in our life. It's his invisible hand that he uses. It's called his providence. This phrase shows us the supernatural way that God primarily works in our life. Now, a lot of us just seem to think that it was just so happened. You're sitting here today thinking about things that are happening in your life if you look out the rearview mirror. But what I will tell you is that that is God's providence. That is God working things out supernaturally. Some of you are probably scoffing at me right now, and you're saying, well, the only supernatural thing God does is he works miracles. And he does. That is one way. He inserts himself, and he does things that cannot be done or explained any other way, like parting of the Red Sea, like Jesus walking on the water, like the dead being raised to life. All of those are impossible for man to do, yet God's able to do it supernaturally. But I want you to catch this today, that not only can God do miracles, and, and I believe in miracles. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God provide. But God also uses people through his providence. God can manipulate things as an invisible hand. And too many times we don't give credit. We just think it just so happened. We think that it was just a coincidence. Some of you would not have turned on the radio if it wasn't for this providence of God that he set this moment in time. And you can say it was an accident. You can say it just so happened. But I will give you a tweetable moment. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. It is all by the hand of God. It is a divine appointment. And God sends divine appointments even when we make the wrong decision. And we see that a Elimelech did that. He made the wrong decision. But even through that wrong decision, God, through his invisible hand, a good God, was able to take something bad and make good out of it. And that's what we will see through this whole book. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things for the good to those that are called according to his purpose. The psalmist wrote, The Lord directs the step of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. That's Psalms 37, verse 23. Did you realize that God directs each and every one of your steps? That he delights in the detail of your life? We think about God being so big and having to worry about 8 billion people on this earth. There's no way he could care about me. But Psalms 37, 23 says that he delights in every detail of your life. I could go on and on. But look, we have a lot to cover, so let me just keep moving along. Verse 2 and verse 3 of Ruth 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of the grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field which belonged to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Again, we see that word right there in verse 3. She happened to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. She happened. It just so happened. It was a coincidence. No, it was the invisible hand of a good God. So what we see in verse 2 is that Ruth goes to Naomi. She says, I'm going to go out in the field. I believe in this God that you've told me about, that he's going to take care of us. We're going to find favor in him. And so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go glean, which meant I'm going to pick up the scraps of what's left after they've harvested this field. And Naomi said, go, my daughter. See, Naomi believed in, and had faith in God as well. 
Ruth goes out, she starts gleaming, and as she's gleaming behind these folks that are in the field, she's in the field. It just so happens that she goes to a field that Boaz owned. This was Boaz's field. This was that rich man. This was that redeemer. The other thing I want you to pick up on here is that even though God is at work, so is Ruth. Ruth is not sitting on the couch watching the latest episode or reruns of Ellen eating chocolates and saying, well, God's going to take care of us. We just sit here. He's going to have somebody come knock on the door. No, Ruth goes out and she does hard manual labor. She's doing back bending and back aching business where she has to bend over and pick up the scraps of the heads of, of the wheat that's left. Again, remember, she's a Moabite woman, so this is something that Naomi's taught, Ruth, that in Leviticus, it told that we were to help the widows and the orphans by leaving grain. Don't go back and pick up every little piece. If you left a bundle of grain, don't go back and get it. And so Naomi has taught this to Ruth, so Ruth is now going out to do this back-breaking work. She's going to have to do this six days a week from sunup to sundown, right behind these folks, getting as much as she can get, because it's not going to be like I go out there for 30 minutes, get what I want. Not only does she have to get this, but then she has to take, and she has to take that grain, and she has to separate the shaft from the wheat. Now, verse 3, it says, So she went out, and she gleaned in the field after the reapers, and it so happened to come to the part of the field belonged to Boaz. So it just so happened. That coincidence happens again. Or is that God working? Just like Ruth is working, we see God working. And now who is this Boaz guy? Let's go back and read out of the Message Bible one more time, verse 1. In the second half of verse 1 in the Message Bible, it says, A man prominent and rich connected to the Imelech family. His name was Boaz. He was a worthy man. What does that really mean? That means that he is a man's man. He is in this small town. Everybody knew everyone. And he is a rich, well-thinking, smart man's man. For the men listening to my voice, this is the kind of man we want to be. We want to be that person that is worthy. Women, this is the kind of man you want to marry. A redeemer, a worthy man, a man of his word, a worthy man, not just whoever comes along. God will send a worthy man just like he did to Ruth. Now let's continue reading. Let's start with verse 4 and we'll go all the way down to verse 7. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after your reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And we'll stop right there. So here is Boaz, this worthy man who shows up. He's from Bethlehem. And he's the CEO. And he goes to his workers and he says, the Lord be with you. Now, does that sound like your boss? Probably not. And they respond back, the Lord bless you. He was a worthy man. He's the CEO, but he's concerned about his workers and their spirituality. He's worried about their spiritual condition. How many times have you shown up as the boss? How many times have you shown up as a co-worker that you were worried that you started off blessing people and telling them about God? And we see right here that Boaz was not just someone that worship God on Sunday, 
but he shows up to the field. He shows up to work, and he's, he's blessing God, and he's blessing them. And then he goes on to ask, as he looks over the field of all the employees, he sees this woman, and he says, she doesn't work for me. Who is this woman? The employee answers and says, she asked if she could just pick up the scraps, and so we've been letting her do that. But look how Boaz responds. Look at verse 8 through 10 with me. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink what the young men have drawn. So Boaz calls all his workers together and he says, Do not touch her. Let her glean behind you and she's going to follow you around. And he does this not because he's trying to get something out of her. We'll see that in chapter 3. He doesn't even know that Ruth has any interest in him. This just shows his heart. It shows that he is truly a worthy man and a man after God's own heart. And that he's going to protect her and he's going to help provide for her. He understands. He knows the story. We'll see that in a minute. But he wants to help her and he's doing what he has been taught that we are to help those that are in a time of need. Now let's keep going. Look at Ruth's response. Verse 10, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? See what Ruth does right here. She asks a really good question. Why are you being nice to me? I'm not even Jewish. She's trying to find out is he does he have the wrong motives. And we need to sometimes make sure that those that treat us nice aren't using us for the wrong motives. Too many times we get into trouble because we see kindness when someone's trying to use us. Are they trying to have a good time? Or are they trying to leave a legacy? And, but she does it gracefully. She falls down. She's honorable. She respects him. But she asks the question, why are you being nice to me? I'm a foreigner. But look how he responds in verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to the people that you don't know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Let's stop right there. Boaz responds and says, look, I've heard your story. I know that you have become a young Christian. I know that you have come after the favor of God, and you're now under his protection. I saw what you did and how you're doing for your, for your mother-in-law. And so I want to make sure that you are taken care of. See, he tells his motive. It is a good motive. We find out later in verse 3 that he's not lying here, that he doesn't even know that Ruth has any motive or affection towards him but he shows that he honors and we see his heart we see that he wants to take care of a person in need and we can learn from boaz and be a worthy man we can be a worthy woman when we see someone in need we can take care of them when we find a new christian we are supposed to help them along just like he's helping this new person in faith that has taken refuge in god let's continue because we're running out of time then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And in verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in my wine. 
So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it to glean and do not rebuke her. Let's stop right there. So what Boaz does here is not only does he let her glean in his field, but he also goes even further. He understands her in her time of needs and he provides for her. In verse 15 and 16, he tells his workers, hey, let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground. Don't pick it all up. Make it a little easier for her. Pull some of the good stuff out. Put it on the ground for her. Let her have it and treat her kindly. You know, we can see the heart of Boaz here, and it's similar to the heart of Jesus. When we're in a time of need, when we need something, he wants to send us a little extra. He wants to give us a little more. He wants to make it a little easier for us. But we have to go. We have to go to the field. We have to work from daylight to dark. But God provides for us. He gives us a way. He has his good hand as invisible protection upon us. And he makes things come our way. Maybe you're in a time of sickness. Maybe you're in a time of need of money. Maybe you're in a time of a relationship that's in a struggle. What I'm telling you is you've got to be like Naomi and Ruth. You've got to go back to the promised land. You've got to go back to God. You've got to give it to him. And then you've got to work it just like they worked that field. God wants to pour out his favor on you, but first we have to turn to him. We have to go back to his people. And the second thing is we have to have character. And that's the other thing that Boaz notices about Naomi and Ruth is the character there. And Ruth's character to Naomi, how she's willing to give up her people, how she's willing to give up and move to somewhere that no one else knows her, move to a foreign land to worship a God she doesn't know, He's caught up with a character, and so he winds up helping her. And look, he gives her enough. Let's, let's continue on. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out what he gave her, what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, This man whom I worked with today is Boaz. And we're going to stop right there real quick. What we see from this is a godly man. This godly man had a godly heart. He had godly motives. He wanted to protect her. He wanted to provide for her. We see an image of Jesus here. But we also see that Ruth had to do a lot of stuff, right? She had to work from morning to night. She worked hard. She had to stoop and do back-breaking work. It wasn't easy. And in the end, she was given an ephah of barley, and that, that would be about five gallons or ten of those two-liter drinks full of, of barley. That, that was enough to keep them for quite some time. Ruth shows this to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law is shocked. She sees the amount of grain that she has, and she's like, this is not normal. May the one that found favor on you be blessed. See, she had five gallons, and she probably should have only had maybe not even a half a gallon just from picking up and threshing. 
but she had over five gallons, over 20 liters of grain. And look how Naomi continues in verse 20. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. She's talking about her husband there. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And we're going to go deeper into that word in a future lesson. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go with him and his young women, lest another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. I'm really out of time, so here's what I'll finish with. This chapter shows us the invisible hand of a good God. It just so happened that they came back to Bethlehem when the harvest was just starting to happen, the barley harvest. It just so happened that Ruth was willing to get up and go glean and do hard work, daylight to dark. It just so happened that she comes to a field that is by one of her relatives. It just so happens that Boaz shows up to that field while she's there gleaning. It just so happens that Boaz decides to show favor and take care of her because he understands of taking care of the widows and the orphan. It just so happens that he is a godly man and he has the right motives to protect her and help her and not just to take advantage of her. It just so happens his kindness gives them enough food and it enough that they'll be able to make it through the time that they need to get through. And it just so happens that Naomi knows who Boaz is, a close relative. See, today we saw an invisible hand of a good God. And what I want to leave you with is that there is a good God that is out there and he's got his hand stretched out to you. He's trying to bring the chess pieces into your life. He's wanting you to turn back. Maybe you made a bad decision like Elimelech did, even though it was for a good reason. But there is a chess piece that God is putting together. God is trying to make all things work to the good for those that are called according to his purpose. Right now, today, God is knocking on a heart. And he's saying, come back to me. Come back to God's people. Come back to the church. You know, there's too many people that will walk away from the church because of pride. They don't know what I've done. They're going to make fun of me. And too many times there are people in the church that do. But Naomi was willing to let her pride go and go back to her people after that decision. And what I'm telling you today, do like Naomi. Come back to God. He wants to be like Boaz. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to help you in your steps. And he says, just follow with me in my path and I will help you. Will you do that today? Will you turn to him? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time. Lord, I know that you are a good father. I don't always understand why things happen in my life. And I love to ask you that question. Why, Lord? Why me? But Lord, I know that you're a good father and you want what's best for me. Lord, maybe I made that bad decision. There's some things we won't ever understand why it happened until we get to the other side of, of this and we get before you and we can ask you. But Lord, 
I pray for those today that are, are like Boaz. Lord, I pray that they will show kindness with their resources. They will take the needy and help them. Lord, I pray for those that are like Ruth, that need protection, need help. Lord, that they'll come to the Boazes. And Lord, I want us all to understand that it's not by chance. It didn't just so happen. It was by the provision and your providence that all good things happen. And you take all things and you make them for the good. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you today, I pray today will be the day that they would pray and ask you to be Lord of their life. They would accept you to be Lord of their life. They would give their heart to you. And Lord, the one that needs you, that they would turn back to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We'll give you all the honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.